levar os portugueses mais longe. Ser uma ponte entre Portugal e os Estados Unidos da América. Esta é a missão da Fundação Luso-Americana para o Desenvolvimento. A FLAD nasceu em 1985, na sequência do Acordo das Lages, e por aqui passaram até hoje milhares de pessoas e ideias que ajudámos a transformar em realidade. Promovemos a partilha de conhecimento e experiências através de bolsas de estudo, estágios, prémios e conferências unindo os dois lados do Atlântico. Trabalhamos diretamente com a comunidade portuguesa nos Estados Unidos. Queremos contribuir para que o papel dos luso-americanos seja cada vez mais forte e para que as origens portuguesas sejam continuamente celebradas. Nesta ligação atlântica surgem, claro, os Açores. Pela sua importância geoestratégica de segurança e defesa, científica e cultural, são um ponto essencial na atividade da FLAD. Somos ciência, educação, arte e relações transatlânticas. Há 36 anos a contribuir para o desenvolvimento de Portugal e dos portugueses. Hello and good evening, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Uh, it is my pleasure to welcome you here. My name is Magda Vakil, and I am very pleased to welcome you here on behalf of Palcos, FLAD, the Portugal-US Chamber of Commerce and the Embassy of Portugal in the United States based in DC. Um, it has given me a special pleasure here today to host this session, which um, focuses on uh, embracing modern Portuguese culture. Um, this is because um, like many of the, most of the participants or all the participants here, I have spent most of my life living outside Portugal, um, more than half. And that has given me the opportunity to contact and interact with many different and diverse uh, Portuguese communities around the world, in Europe and also in the United States. Um, and we are pleased here to, to welcome some um, personalities, celebrities of our community in the United States that have um, initiated different projects that bring Portuguese culture to the US and create a bridge between the two cultures. I would like to invite all our panel members to introduce themselves and speak about their uh, projects, a, a brief introduction, if you may, um, and then we'll follow up with more uh, of a discussion. We'd like to invite all our attendees to put their questions or uh, use the chat function to place their questions or comments or suggestions that they have. Um, in the Zoom. If you are on Facebook live streaming, also you can place your questions in the chat and they will be incorporated and passed on to our uh, panel members. So uh, I invite uh, Sandra, please, to, to start. Sure, so my name is Sandra Pires. I'm the cultural attaché at the Embassy of Portugal in Washington, DC. And uh, I would like to thank Palcos for the invitation to be a panelist. And regarding my projects at the embassy, I organize cultural activities such as concerts, talks, exhibitions, workshops, film festivals, etc. We have many projects throughout the year to bring Portuguese culture to the US. Uh, as you all, you all know, 
We had the Portuguese presidency of the Council of the European Union from January to June, uh, where we organized a webinar each month. Some of them were, uh, some of them with very well-known think tanks, followed by a concert. Uh, due to the pandemic, we had to do all our presidency uh, virtually. So other virtual activities we organized were a creative writing workshop with the Portuguese author José Luis Peixoto, a book launch of Richard Zeni's Fernando Pessoa bio a biography. Uh, we have done a, a film festival with the Ibero-American countries and uh, a FADO concert for the June the 10th, for the Day of Portugal, Camões, and the Portuguese communities. Now we are trying to get back to in-person events. And regarding our recent projects, we have been working on, uh, it was just launched on September 27th, an interdisciplinary project, an art and literature exhibition with some European countries where local artists from the DC, Maryland and Virginia area made new artworks inspired by European books they read from the countries involved in the project. The result is a series of short exhibitions of three weeks each from two local artists at the time for four months in a gallery that is located in a changing neighborhood in Washington, DC. It is a window gallery, uh, which means that people can only see the work of the, uh, the artwork from the sidewalk. The gallery name is Plainside DC. You can find it on Instagram or on www.plainsidedc.com. This exhibition is an European Union National Institutes for Cultural Cluster project uh, where we are the presidents this year. Um, and the Portuguese exhibition, uh, the, the artist that is doing the, the, the artwork for Portugal, it's starting on October the 17th and it finishes on November the 2nd. So if you are in the DC area, in the DC area, please come visit the, the exhibition. Uh, we also just organized um, a Kids Zero Fest with the EU delegation in, the Was in Washington, D.C. and other EU countries, uh, where we brought workshops for kids. It was, uh, one was a cultural and art workshop where uh, the artist Leonor Alvim Brazão talked about traditional celebrations in Portugal, and all the kids made a 3D manjerico to take home. It was very nice, and the, the workshops were completely sold out. This was last Saturday. And uh, we have also done a virtual, uh, a virtual workshop for, um, for two classes in a school located in a deprived neighborhood of Southeast Washington, DC for a total of, of 50 girls. Um, the name of the workshop was Brincar aos Fados from uh, Rodrigo Costa Felix. And he explained where Fado came from. He sang some Fado songs for children. Uh, and this was the day before yesterday. So a project that we started with, uh, with PALCOS, the Portugal-US Chamber of Commerce and FLAD that we are very proud of is the Portuguese-American Art Gallery uh, where there are already 17 Portuguese-American artists exhibiting virtually. So this project actually started last year at the PALCOS conference. Uh, and for me personally, it has been very important getting to know all these artists and their stories, inspirations, aspirations, what Portuguese Americans are doing in this side of the pond and their reflections. Every month we do a meet the artist session with one of the artists portrayed at the gallery and where the audience has the possibility to learn more about the artists. So this is what we have been doing lately. Okay, Sandra, and I think it's important to say that the next one is next Tuesday. Exactly. With uh, Rafael Alme uh, Ralph Almeida. 
True. Okay. So uh, I'll go in the order that you appear in my screen. So Scott. Hola, uh, my name is Scott Edward Anderson. I'm a third generation Portuguese American. My family came from the Azores in uh, 1906 to um, Fox Point in Providence. Um, I'm the author of uh, Azorian Suite, Suite to Soriana, which is a bilingual book length poem that came out um, last year with Letras Lavadish on uh, San Miguel. And um, I have three things um, that I wanted to, to, to mention. The first is the, um, the main project, I think this is the reason that I was uh, invited, is the uh, Kagaho uh, Colloquium, which is a, a group of Azor Azorian writers, Azorian American writers, Azorian Canadian writers from the diaspora. Um, we've kind of come together to promote uh, each other's work as well as make a bridge between the Azores and uh, Canada and the US. We've had a, a several events since we launched um, back in April and um, all virtual, of course, we're hoping at some point to have a uh, in-person um, conference, if you will, where we can bring uh, writers from the Azores uh, together with writers here in uh, North America. Um, the second is uh, some translation projects that I'm involved with. Um, I've been uh, translating uh, uh, Vitorino Nemesio's Corsario da Chilias, which is a, a 1956 uh, kind of uh, travel log, if you will, that um, has never been translated into English before, um, doing that for Tagus Press and um, hoping to wrap that up uh, soon. Um, I've been translating a, a few other um, uh, Azorian, mostly Azorian writers, but also some uh, poets from the continent and um, trying to uh, build some bridges between translators working here in, in North America and some working on the continent. Uh, Margarita um, Valde de Gato is translating a book of mine into Portuguese that will come out next year. And uh, I met recently with her translation class in um, the University of Lisbon. And um, so trying to, again, build bridges between uh, the cultures. The third thing I wanted to mention is uh, on the contemporary music scene, um, I've become very interested in bringing a group of quartet, really. There's each individual singer songwriters from the Azores uh, to the US. I've been talking with uh, some friends at City Winery here in New York and a few other uh, venues about um, sometime next year, hopefully, knock on wood, COVID willing, um, uh, bringing uh, Sarah Cruz, uh, Christovam, and a couple of other uh, singer-songwriters. Uh, I think because some of them uh, sing, write and sing in English, um, there's a way to help build that bridge uh, culturally over here. And I think there'll be a lot of interest. So those are the three things that I'm working on. Thank you very much. So now we go to Anna, Anna Miranda. Thank you very much for the invitation. Uh... Uh, I run the Portuguese Institute for Art Art Institute. We promote Portuguese contemporary culture in all fields, cinema, music, dance, literature, performance, theater. And uh, this year was our 10th anniversary. We uh, worked already in, the, in this uh, uh, decade in 87 uh, cities, 37 countries. 
promoting artists, Portuguese artists all over the world. And uh, the past three years, we launched an initiative called the Revolution Hope Imagination, uh, which the goal is to think arts, uh, talk culture, uh, think arts, uh, talk business and make culture. Uh, we're trying to bridge the European model for arts with the American one. Uh, and uh, this was this year in June, we did the third edition already uh, bring, bringing again uh, uh, producers and uh, curators from the US because our main goal with this initiative that happens in Portugal and uh, involves uh, 13 cities all over the uh, all across the country it's uh, it's an initiative that uh, also aims to showcase artists emergent uh, uh, artists that otherwise wouldn't uh, have the opportunity to to be to begin a, an international career so this year we were able finally to bring back uh, uh, curators programmers and producers from the us and uh, from africa also and from asia and uh, we believe that next year we're gonna go back to the number of uh, guests that we had from the us in the first edition uh, and basically this is what we do we we create opportunity for artists we establish a network uh, between uh, companies and artists, which is uh, a dialogue that we very much focus on. Uh, precisely that, because um, in Europe, there's still this idea of the funds and getting the state funding. And we believe that this can can uh, work in a different way and the companies and uh, uh, can have a, a, an important role in, um, can play an important role in this uh, in this new dialogue. So basically, this is what we do. I'm sure you've heard uh, many of our shows. We we present uh, uh, the Portugal Day at uh, Summer Stage in Central Park. We've done the New York Portuguese Short Film Festival. We were also responsible for the documentary Portuguese in Soho. Um, and uh, there's so many things that I don't even know sometimes. Uh, and... Uh, and basically, that's that's what we do. So we, our last event, physical event, it was in July. We we close every year. We close the street uh, with the Portugal in Soho, where we celebrate the heritage of uh, the Portuguese heritage in Soho. And uh, we did the short film also in um, in Lincoln Center and Tribeca Cinemas this in July. And uh, I can take this opportunity to invite you to go to MoMA on November 4th to watch Variações, which was uh, supposed to be presented, exhibited in um, in uh, March uh, 2020, but because of the pandemic, we had to postpone it and finally uh, MoMA opened up and, uh, and we can now present it. So November 4th, 7 p.m. Uh, we are very happy to see you if you want to join us to uh, know more about uh, this iconic uh, musician, variações, that uh, it's a symbol for many in, in our country. And also for the older uh, older generation that I think we're going to approach this, uh, this subject today. And I'm sure many of, uh, of our, our parents and, and many immigrants from the 70s and 80s and 90s that they still remember him. So feel free to join us. Thank you, Anna. Uh, there's so 
Okay. I'm sorry, I remember something that I think it's very important. When the pandemic started, we we were one of the first uh, um, organizations that actually were able to move all our program to the online with the with the right stage, and we had an app where people could actually pay the artists which was something that we take very serious, the payment of the artists, because it's their, their job. And, uh, and so it was very important not just to continue the, uh, to present shows online for free. We thought that it was very important that they could still receive money for their, for their work. And so I invite everybody to visit High Stage. It's on our website. Uh, and uh, and it's it's all the shows are available. It's 150 shows, and so you can always revisit the shows, every field, artistic field, and you can contribute uh, as uh, with the with the ticket in the amount you you can afford. So I just wanted to mention that. Okay, thank you very much. So um, let's go to Derek Mello, please. Hello, uh, my name is Derek DeMello. I'm a uh, comedian, humorist, content creator, entrepreneur, and Sharice salesman. Um, so you may know me from the Portuguese kids for the past 17 years. I've spent, luckily, blessed to travel the world and deliver our brand of comedy, which uh, is all about growing up as a child of an immigrant. So um, we try to foster many connections back to the old country. Um, every year we team up with Sagish Vacations, for actually for the past five years, we plan trips uh, with our fans, come visit uh, the Azores or Portugal. And we've just actually just came back from Madeira and San Miguel, it was a beautiful trip. Um, so shout out to anybody from the crew that's watching. Um, and then uh, we do other things too in, in the comedy world. We try to share connections as well. We've had, um, humorist uh, Helder Hilfimed, uh, uh, someone as he's better known. We've had him perform with us uh, in Canada. We've had other artists as well uh, highlighted on our Facebook page as much as we can. For us, it's a, it's a small community of, of humorists and comedians, especially for what we do. Um, so we try to be as, as helpful as we can to anybody that wants help. So um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I've got nothing going on. You might want to see if you catch a live show, uh, maybe next year. Until then, I'm just a bum hanging around, enjoying life. So uh, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> nothing else to promote. PortugueseKids.com. I guess that's the only thing I could say. Visit there. That's the best about it. Thank you. And now, um, Michael. Hi. Um, hi, can you hear me? Yeah. So hi, I'm Michael Benavides, uh, owner of Portugalia Marketplace, uh, which is a um, uh, what I call a cultural space selling Portugal through culture. Uh, it's a market, it's a retail market. It's been in the family uh, since 1988. My father started the business in the three car garage on the same street uh, Derek lived on. Derek and I were neighbors. Uh, so um, yeah, and, and we've, you know, the business has evolved into uh, a destination store and people come in from near and far uh, to experience Portuguese culture. We've, uh, this, the, the space has also acted as a stage uh, for artists, uh, folklore groups. Uh, uh, we've, we've had multi multiple cultural performances in the space. Uh, and it's also served for various talks that we do around another project that I'm involved in, which is Fabric Arts Festival. Uh, Fabric Arts Festival is a project that's hosted by uh, Kani, which is Casa dos Açores, Nova Inglaterra. Um, and it's a, uh, an attempt at 
Um, well, it's inspired by festivals that happen in the Azores, uh, primarily um, through Mord and Walk and Talk. Uh, those two festivals that happen annually in the Azores are serve as, our, well, the people who run those festivals serve as our curators for this festival. Uh, and it has a lot to do with the fact that while I was traveling through Portugal over the years, uh, I've been really inspired by the, the, the contemporary art world in Portugal, uh, whether it be the street art or, uh, you know, just cinema and just all the, 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 the art that I've experienced in Portugal. I was interested in bringing and capturing that energy, bringing it to the community. Uh, so this was a, a proposition that I made to both the teams of Walk and Talk and Through Mord and said, hey, let's, uh, how about we do a, a festival that encompasses the, the, these, this really great energy that you have uh, created in the Azores and bring it to the community. Uh, not exclusively for the community, uh, but just the community at large. Uh, it was an attempt at showing contemporary Portugal. We know all of us on the panel that there are a, a number of Portuguese festas that happen in our communities, which are great and we love them and they're very traditional. But our attempt here was to show uh, a contemporary Portugal, much in the way that Ana Miranda has done as well. And she's been a huge inspiration for me, honestly. Uh, she and I have had this conversation years ago. Uh, and every time that she brings artists to the, to the area, I'm always interested in supporting because I love what she does. So I think, you know, it's important work. I think it's a really, uh, uh, you know, it's important to, to reach broader audiences, to, sh to, to present Portugal in, in a contemporary fashion. Uh, and that's, you know, a lot of the work we've done. The first year, the first edition of Fabric was uh, a bit of a challenge being the first year. We, we uh, sort of discovered what was uh, available to us locally, like the, the Philharmonkish forever has more Philharmonic uh, bands than any other city in the, in the country. It's the city of bands. Uh, so we got all four of the Philharmonkers, the Portuguese Philharmonkers, to play together. Uh, so that was a very traditional and, and, and the local component of the festival. But then we completely spun the festival on its, on its head and, and presented, uh, you know, Lula Pena, which is more of a contemporary Fadista, a little bit more bohemian, uh, and other artists from Lucas, um, Dej Lucas from, from the Azores as well. Uh, so it was it was our, our us saying, hey, we're going to present different content. Um, in the second edition, we obviously uh, experienced it, experienced COVID, uh, and we had to get a little creative, and so we presented a uh, outdoor festival where we projected concerts that were filmed at Flood uh, Luso American Foundation, uh, a series of concerts, beautiful concerts, four concerts. Uh, and we presented those on, on Fall River City Hall. Uh, for those of you who don't know the city of Fall River, there's a, um, a city hall that's a real sort of brutalist structure. It's a really big concrete uh, building over the highway, but it has these beautiful walls. So we, we took advantage of those walls and we presented a concert. And so uh, presented uh, videos of concerts that were recorded in Portugal. So we, you know, we've, we've done some pretty creative things, I think, locally, especially. Uh, this is a city that's, um, for those of you who don't know, it's a city that's that's had some some twists and turns. It's a, it's a it's an economically depressed area, but the community, the Portuguese community, has been has played an integral role in Fall River, uh, and in its rise. Um, they came here to work in factories, and and factories shuttered, so that really left a, a negative impact in the community. But we're playing a role. Portugalia is in the city of Fall River by putting us on the map, uh, and also taking the same approach to the arts. Uh, you know, and, and we, we're 
very fortunate to say that we've we've gotten we've garnered a little bit of press both in Portugal and locally and regionally uh, around the, the festival. Uh, we've painted various murals. The, this last edition in spring, we painted a mural by um, an artist duo from Portugal by the name of Half Studio. Uh, and it's a big splashy mural that says Viva Fall River. And it's also uh, paying tribute to uh, a local celebrity here in the city of Orva, Jorge Freda, who, uh, who oh, created Come on, this... he's worldwide. Come on. Yeah, he created, he created this anthem called Viva Fall River when there were a lot of immigrants coming to the city of Fall River. Uh, this was a, a sort of a, a rallying call. It, you'd hear it at all the festish. So to now take a very traditional uh, piece of the, the community and, and give it a, a, a contemporary presentation, which sits on the wall where everyone can see as they drive through 195, the highway, they'll see a big splash mural that says Viva Fall River designed by Half Studio in Portugal. So that's, that's just some of the things we're doing. Uh, we're excited. Uh, I can't announce too much of the next year's program, but uh, our program will take place in on May 13th and 14th of the coming year. Uh, and we have some really exciting artists um, uh, from Portugal, contemporary artists. And also, again, it's not, ex it's not exclusively a Portuguese festival. We want to tap into, obviously work with some of the local artists because uh, we need to, you know, give them a stage as well. Uh, and, and just artists at, at large, the artist community. Um, and that's, that's what I'm working on. So if you have any questions, feel free. Thank you. Um, and Teresa Valdez from the University of Rochester. Hey everyone. First of all, thank you so much for Palco, to Palcos for the wonderful invitation. It is an honor to be here and be with these, my esteemed panelists. Um, so what do I do? I work here at University of Rochester, where I where I am the director of the Language Center. I'm the founder director of the Language Center. We designed the Language Center uh, around activities that will bring language development and cultural activities that raise cultural awareness and what is happening in all the countries. I'm also the head of the Portuguese program and the only instructor. So I teach all language uh, classes here at the University of Rochester. Um, in the last few years, I've been working with FUAD and, you know, I know Miguel Vaz and also everyone at the study, um, study in Portugal network. Uh, we were able pre-pandemic to sign the memorandum of understanding and we now have a study abroad in Portugal. Um, but of course, we're still living this COVID time. So we're waiting for it to kind of be easier for the students to start advertising in terms of Portuguese, I am outside the Portuguese community that you can find, for example, in Massachusetts. So our goal here is a little bit different. We work mostly with Americans that want to learn Portuguese for various reasons. And we do activities inside and outside the classroom that show them the culture and everything that is around the language while they are learning the language. So weekly, we have a totally detached from any class conversation hour where the students come and they play games, they explore the culture, the language, they listen to music, they watch movies. And it's very funny because in those, you're gonna find students that come from Cape Verde or Mozambique or even Brazil joining. So they get a very, um, how can I say, comprehensive experience of what is the language language and the Portuguese language and culture. Um, 
I have fun in my classes. I don't like to teach the traditional way. So we do very different activities. For example, my students learn the imperative by going to the kitchen, replying to an ad for an actual job that I can find in the restaurant or so. And then they have to learn how to do pastéis de nata on their own. And they have to give instructions to each other. So this is just a tiny little example how, you know, so far away from the Portuguese culture or any Portuguese source of Luso-American descendants or so on, we can develop programming that brings the students together and promote the Portuguese language here in Rochester. Thank you very much for all your introductions. And uh, um we had, a, I'm not going to hide this from you, we had a pre-session and there were a lot of things that we discussed. And uh, one thing that came to mind and, you know, thinking about our conversation um, was the feeling that for many migrant communities, and that's not only for the Portuguese uh, immigrant communities for all, um, kind of the culture of their homeland freezes in time. And so, um, you know, everyone here in the, you know, Derek, um, Michael, um, and um, Scott, they are being reacquainted or bringing to the U.S. contemporary Portuguese culture. And it would be interesting to hear what has been your experience. I mean, Portuguese culture today is also greatly influenced by uh, foreign influences, globalization. So it's very universal, but sometimes in the traditional sections of immigrant communities, that's not um, what they remember because what they brought with them is something that was from many years ago. So I, I would like to put this to the table because you're bringing contemporary uh, art, contemporary music, contemporary writing. Um, I'd like also to hear how, when you rediscover this new uh, art forms and culture, how did you feel about it yourselves? And how is that being um, perceived? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really want to thank you for bridging this gap um, and not only to the Portuguese communities, but also bringing this Portuguese culture to the U.S. to, to be known. Right. May I? And Anna, you've also done a great job with the films and with everything else. So, you know, I think everybody has a contribution here. Sure. I'll start off by saying so when we when we presented fabric, um, you know, we knew we knew it was a challenging program. We knew right away because, you know, I, I know I know the demographic in our area. Uh, but but the goal here was how do we how do we capture uh, the second generation, the third generation who have maybe more eclectic taste than, say, their, their parents did. Uh, and, and that's what we that was our aim. And we also presented the program at RISD, Rhode Island School of Design, up the street at Providence, knowing that there was an audience uh, that would appreciate that type of program. So it, it, it wasn't, a, it, it's not a program that was designed in any way to alienate uh, 
the traditional, the, you know, the, the traditions that were here or, or, or snub or in, in any way insult anyone. In fact, the first edition, I should say, we did, there was an attempt by us to, to introduce the, the Philharmonikers to bring them in so that they would bring, so they could bring their families and, and, and experience this, this new uh, approach to a festival. Uh, and they came and, and they left, <laughs> they came and they went, uh, the families did. But then the, the, the pro, what, who stayed were the kids, the, you know, the, the second and third and fourth generation. And not only, uh, you know, again, I, I've also, because of what I've done with the market, which is open up Portugal to so many non-Portuguese people, I was interested in those folks also experiencing Portuguese contemporary culture. And, know, and knowing that there are audiences, we all know, we're all aware that, um, uh, I think like Lula Pena, for example, or, you know, Marisa is the big and obvious name. But, you know, we all know that there's crossover audiences. We know that Americans, uh, a certain demographic of Americans can appreciate uh, those, those contemporary art forms. So, so those, those were some of our targets. Like, I, I, dare I say it, like the NPR crowd or, you know, trying to get that kind of uh, audience to, to come in because they're pretty open-minded. They, 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 can, they consume international uh, art or world music. And, and that was a deliberate target of ours. Uh, so that being said, I mean, we, we, we did, there was an attempt at, you know, reaching out to the communities, but knowing that the communities at the end of the day, were not gonna be uh, filling up the, the, the seats of the, of, of the arenas. Uh, and, and, and the first edition was poorly, not poorly attended. We had good attendance, but it could have been more well attended. It just, it was a new program, very foreign to everyone. So. There was no basis of comparison. The second edition, we already saw a few more people coming in. And by the third edition, we see definitely the festival maturing. Um, that's, that's my take on it. I mean, for me, it's, it's amazing uh, in terms of, you, met, you asked the question about how we experience the art or me personally. Uh, I've always wanted to do something like this because again, Anna is a huge inspiration and, and I've seen what she's done and, and the artists that she's brought over. And I'm always, I'm always just very intrigued uh, by by the the music scene or the cinema in Portugal, I but I always have been so that's that's a own like personal uh, interest of mine, and I just and I just feel like in some cases I feel like the audiences are larger for this than they are. Uh, I I feel like there's more maybe of me out there, uh, and I'm always trying to tap into who is like that. So that's why we make the uh, and this is great to be on a panel like this because we get we get to connect with people of like minds, and, and figure out what each is up to. Uh, so that's that's been my take and my experience. Um, if I may chime in, like I think what, what Mike and, and Anna, what you do as well, so important uh, to to bring that modern art aspect into into our side of the pond. Just because um, you know, I'm not, like I've made my career on the old fashioned way uh, of 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 the Portuguese life, right? Like that that old school thought but i still think a lot of people even in in like my peers they still think that portugal is like a little old school in many ways like when we first started doing these trips to, to the azores people like ah oh, you know like they just think it's like i'm staying with my aunt uh, and it's just it's all like old-fashioned stuff and it's like man you have no idea how advanced and how amazing portugal and the azores is like you're missing out on this just this paradise because you're, you get this old school mentality. And I think when Mike uh, brings the, these things like the Fabric Festival into a place like Fall River, that's just so 
saturated with Portuguese-ness that it's like, uh, it's taken for granted. I, I think when, when Mike does things like this to bring stuff and artists uh, into Fall River or into our area, I think it's doubly important because it's making people like my peers realize, wow, there's way more to Portugal than, than what I know. And then people who do want to reconnect, it's more than just food. There's, there's a whole cultural world out there. Food's an important thing. If I dare I say, it's the most important thing. I think it's what unites people uh, more than anything else, um, food and, and alcohol, but uh, mostly food. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I think that it's, it's, it's an important thing that uh, we, we're doing here, introducing that because it, it just makes people love Portugal even more and that that to me is why it's uh it's it's a big it's a big deal you know to see stuff like that and I, I love supporting stuff like this because uh I love experiencing new things even when it's something that I'm I think I'm I'm, I'm assuming that I'm so familiar with there's still so much more to discover and uh so that's why stuff like this is super important may jump in just because um, I didn't grow up with uh, the traditional festas or any of the um, uh, more traditional uh, cultural experiences. My, my grandfather, who was born uh, in Providence in 1915, son of immigrants, he wanted to be an American. He had uh, an Americanized name. He uh, really didn't have anything to do uh, with the Portuguese community, so I didn't grow up with it. And I felt it, I really felt it was kind of a loss. It was something that was missing in me and I didn't know where to turn to, to learn about it. So, um, you know, when I started to try to explore it a little bit, I saw the culture as being very, very traditional. And I gotta admit, I wasn't that interested, <laughs> you know? I Tell thought me, it's Scott, where did you, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. What was your first, um contact with you said you you suddenly decided to and you so, when so what my, was your first point of contact what did you, know, you see how much how much time do you have um, <laughs> so, um yeah so no i mean you know obviously i grew up in east providence so um the culture was around but it wasn't we didn't actively go and pursue it you know it wasn't part of our family okay. my father was my father was scottish he was scotch irish so he took us to all the the scottish stuff so we grew up with the, the highland games and going to that and listening to bagpipe music and stuff like that and so um but i didn't have the other the other side of it and so um i think the first time i went to uh, uh, I went to Newark in New Jersey, and I went to um, uh, I think it was it was uh, Portugal Day or something like that, and I was like, wow, okay, this is kind of you know, it's it's really interesting and colorful, and um, but it didn't I, it didn't resonate for me, you know, it wasn't, and 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 I was um, I was more interested in you know contemporary music and what was going on, um, so I think when um, uh, well, I think I, I, I first started hearing uh, Maritza and some other stuff. And in fact, I, uh, art, art, um, uh, the art, art Institute brought her to Central Park a couple of years ago, uh, got to see her live, which was pretty amazing. Um, but really when I went to the Azores um, for the first time in 2018, um, uh, I was, my, I really was, it was, I was blown away with the 
um, amount of, first of all, the literary stuff. I went there as part of a residency with just Quiet International. So I was kind of brought in to the literary scene and got to meet a lot of people right away. Um, and realized pretty quickly that Portuguese literature wasn't just Pessoa, Saramago, and Camões. You know, it was like there's much more going on. And even you know, contemporaries, uh, my generation, and uh, you know, so so, and then music. Um, Sarah Cruz happened to be playing at the book festival in Ponta Delgada. And um, I, I saw her uh, play for the first time, and I thought this this woman is fantastic. She's amazing. And then I so, so I started broadening my listening to the music from that was being done in the in, in the Azores. And so it was sort of it was sort of this you know organic, um, but looking for stuff that that would appeal to me. So you know I was looking for a more contemporary sound. You know. Um, and uh, in, in contemporary writing, and and so I found it. And like Derek said, is there's amazing stuff going on in the source. And just every single island has something happening. And it, this was really struck me during the pandemic because I could be from here in Brooklyn, in my in my home, I could be participating in a in a, a literary conference on Sao Miguel one minute. Uh, turn off my computer or, you know, ch change the Zoom uh, link to something going on uh, on continental Portugal or something going on in Tisaida or Piku or something going on in Vancouver involving, um, you know, writers from the diaspora, all in the span of like 24 hours, you know, and that was pretty amazing. And to see like every week there was a book launch or there was a, 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 a literary, literary talk or honoring uh, Onesimo Almeida or, you know, um, just just a whole range of things that were happening. So just so much variety. And it's, it's pretty exciting, both on the islands, but also on the continent. Thank you. Maybe if in New York you had gone to the festival of Queijo da Serra to start with, you know, you would have been uh, immediately seduced. <laughs> this was a long time ago. It was probably 1994 or something like that. So <laughs> well, we're glad you didn't give up and you pursued no. different avenues. To yeah, rediscover I, had this, I had this hole in my heart that I needed to fill and I found it finally. A very so. <laughs> rich culture with many influences. Yes, of course. Okay, I wanted to, to say something. Correct me if, if I'm wrong. But I think uh, times are changing and the Portuguese community in the US is traveling to Portugal often. So the, they see the, the Portuguese culture, how it has been changing with time, right? Um, and um, when I got here nine years ago, before I was teaching at uh, Georgetown and then I moved to the embassy, uh, when I came here uh, nine years ago, uh, there were not many people who knew where Portugal was. And, um, Nowadays, it is the opposite. So what I feel is that there is almost no one left to visit Portugal in the US. <laughs> okay, I'm joking. But there is so many people that uh, have been traveling to Portugal and the people that I meet and I say that I'm Portuguese. So they, they, they always say that they, they have been or they are going or they know someone that ju just have been there and they really like it. So, and I think that our culture is very rich and very, not only about the, the, not only the traditional culture, but also the contemporary culture. So, and the, the, 
the community is is changing the portuguese community so i think it's um it's very interesting the the phenomenon that we we, we see these days yeah and the, i wanted to reply to the comment that we have on the chat that susana medeiros is saying if can someone bring alfado here we brought alfado here last um, last spring if i'm not mistaken it was last spring alfado came here we did an event with the um, with the embassy of um, of um, israel and uh, alfado came it was virtually is because of the pandemic but uh, but they came and uh, we we streamed the the concert of alfado here but of course it would be nice to have them again but in in person uh, perhaps it would be worthwhile explaining uh, Alfado for the viewers who don't see the explanation in the chat. Um, oh, I'm sorry. So, so, so she while, said, while they sing traditional Sephardic Portuguese Spanish music, they do it in a very contemporary way. The history they weave in describing each song is amazing and beautiful. So, um, Derek, you mentioned that um, you kind of play with the traditional and the modern. Um, and, um, and you perform a lot for Luzo descendant uh, communities, but also for locals. What, of this, what were some of the first reactions and the end, then I have a more like personal question to you. Did you always wanted to be a comedian? Yeah. Uh, yes, I was I was told that I was either going to be a comedian or a lawyer because I never shut up. And I chose I think I chose the more noble of the professions, <laughs> although also the more broker of the professionals. But I'm happy. I can't complain. Um, uh, yeah, you're, you are correct. Uh, we do perform for. I mean, we've been around for 17 years now, so our audience has also evolved. Um, you know, we start off with Gen X fans, and now we've got we've got a lot of Gen uh, uh, millennials and, and even Gen Y fans coming to our shows, and and we're actually fortunate where we get everybody, like you know, grandparents all the way down to like the kids. So we we do see a lot of um, different uh, family and different. Portuguese, you know, communities, it's, but there's all this one common thread where, you know, in the house, it's Portuguese and outside the house, it's not Portuguese. And I, I think personally growing up as a son of an immigrant, I, there's a lot of pressure um, for, on us as first generation, you, you gotta do good in school. You have to get a job. Um, you have to translate for your parents. You gotta write checks. Sometimes there's there's so much pressure on us, and, and you also have to respect your parents. And and you know you can't be a, you know a, a nerd or a geek. You have to follow the pop cultural trends, right? So like now you have this internal struggle because it, in, in in the house you've got to be a certain way, more reserved, and then outside you're more relaxed. So it really is a duality. And I think when we first started. I, the majority of the people, especially my peers, they embraced this. They were like, man, finally, somebody like gets it. Like, you know, because there is humor in growing up 
the sun, not just growing up Portuguese, just growing up the son of an immigrant. There's the language barrier. There's so many different things that we have to deal with that normal kids, white kids, you know, like, like, not like, that's how we used to like, so like, that's why for me growing up, I always associated myself with all the minorities on TV because I never felt like the white guy. I'm like, man, that, that Spanish guy on TV, the Latino guy, that's my father that he's reenacting too. Like it's all these similarities. So for us, we were like, man, we always see representation for Mexican, Italian, Polish on TV. Like, where's the Portuguese? So that's, that's why we created what we created, because we wanted to have some kind of Portuguese pop culture influence, you know, or representation. So I think for the majority of the people that got it, they just loved what we did. Um, but then, of course, you have a couple of people like the old timers. They don't get past the accent. They hear the accent. They think, well, they're making fun of me. They couldn't be further from the truth. I'm reenacting my father's like, and 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 like half the things we do like, really happen to us. It's a lot of people like this. This stuff doesn't happen. Oh, it it happens. It happens, and it happened to me. You know, and this is this is my life, and this is my art. I'm showing you my window uh, into my life. And when we started that, that's that's why we started. It was just to show people what it was like, and unbeknownst to us, because we started so long ago that. Facebook wasn't even a thing. That's how old I am. <laughs> you look very young, so comedy you. obviously is a good. Like, <laughs> it's all the good wine to I buy. So all the wine my wife buys at Portugal that keeps me young. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we've been doing this. Uh, I lost my train of thought. Seven, seventeen years already, man. So anyway, um, yeah. So uh, I literally lost what did my train of thought. It was um, all right. No, it's okay. I get off on tangents too. Um, it's anyway. aging. It's called aging. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. And my, also, the wine I put the guy. Thank you, Mike. I'm getting my also nice <laughs> and early. Well, anyway, like, to summarize, we did have some people that couldn't get past the accent, but I think we've been around long enough where they know we're not making fun of Portuguese people. We're conscious about that. You know, listen, I'll be honest. My father drank a lot growing up. You don't. You're never going to see me truly reenact my father coming home drunk you're never going to see that on stage you're never going to see that because i don't want to represent portuguese people like that but i i do think that for a lot of people it was like a little bit of a wake-up call because portuguese people have a hard time laughing at themselves and i really think that the portuguese kids came out of a time where it was like crucial for for our generation to have a little bit of a laugh to to kind of like get you know get past this living uh in a bilingual world so for us, we did it through humor. That was our coping mechanism. It's it, and obviously, I think we struck a chord because like we performed, you know, literally all over the world, and it's just so bizarre and fascinating and interesting that in Australia, it's the same exact thing in their house as it is in New Bedford. To us, that's the most fascinating thing, and I think that's why we're still around is because we inherit our parents' traits. And now these new generation of kids, they're like, they're not just suffering their grandparents, their parents are doing the same exact thing. It's like history just repeats itself. And, you know, I, for us, we're very fortunate that we get to share these, these laughable moments. But to answer the question, for the most part, people love it. But, you know, there's always going to be someone that, you know, they just, they don't like us, you know? So to them, I just say, whatever i don't care you know we know we have our fans and we have a great fan base and that you know that's, that's all i could ask for you know it's uh it's a good life it's a good life and, and to answer your earlier question i did always truly did know 
that I wanted to make people laugh. I don't know if I'm going to be a comedian. I don't, I don't know how I can make money off of it. But once I figured out this Portuguese thing, I was like, I want to ride this out for a little bit. So 17 years later, the ride's still going. Still a little bit of gas left in the tank. The pandemic slowed us down, but we're, we're coming back. We're coming back. 2022 is going to be a good year. I think that um, that can also be perceived as um, a recognition and uh, a celebration of resilience by immigrant communities. And it's, I think, something, you know, what you're doing is, or the, the thoughts and the feelings that you had growing up and that you are acknowledging um, are many of the experiences that other migrant communities experience where this duality of, of um, views and sometimes lifestyles is, is very common across um, most migrant communities in their yeah. seeking to integrate and at the same yeah. time maintaining their traditions. Um, Teresa, I think, you know, being a, in the language center of Portuguese, especially teaching Portuguese, um, is, is crucial um, to maintain culture and, and uh, a bridge to, to Portugal. Uh, what has been your experience? You were saying most of your students were not um, Portuguese. They were um, others trying, uh, wanting to learn the language and wanting to learn the culture. But then you also said you have some um, students that are from Cape Verde and Mozambique and other countries that speak the language. Um, it's really important to further the knowledge of Portuguese language. Would you, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, I was listening to Derek and everyone else. Um, and one thing is I was fortunate enough to teach in Massachusetts. So I had that experience of the student that is a heritage student that doesn't know exactly where they belong and they're still struggling. I'm gonna learn the language to be able to talk with my grandparents a little bit better, but I really don't know where I fit. And I really don't know, you know, because my parents tell me that I have to behave this way, but my friends expect me to behave that way, right? So. I don't know exactly, and I really don't know if I like the language at this point or if I just need to get these language requirements on campus and this sounds like the easiest one, you know. So I, I had their experience and here at the University of Rochester, the experience is slightly different. The minority are the heritage students. When I have one heritage student, I'm the happiest person because they have that ability to understand or even speak or they don't they're not so self-conscious like do I know exactly the language right so they kind of bring the others and you know they bring Portuguese kids at once to the class or I bring them or we did other sketches and just for them to realize what is the culture in the U.S. and outside the U.S. right so learning the language a little bit more formally Yes, it is important. It gives everyone the skills and the understanding of the language at the different levels and gives them the skills to then apply to a job and then through the language explore what is Portugal nowadays, right? Um, and to do that, you know, I talked to you about a stupid activity that I are doing in a class just to teach, teach the imperative earlier today. But other, other times, and I think these are the most relevant, I like to bring them to explore the country, right? Not only now they have the study abroad that they are going to start taking advantage, but we have tools that the pandemic kind of highlighted like Google Arts and Culture, 
and I bring that to the classroom. So my students have the ability to explore a city or to explore a specific neighborhood, to go to a museum if they are interested in that. And then they're able to realize that Lisbon is not, for example, that old city that they think it is, but it has a lot of 21st century, right? So they can visit the streets, they can see, um, uh, street art, they can go and visit more um, not so traditional museums that it is possible. So it is essential to create this bridge. It is essential to bring to the, the attention of um, all the other nationalities that live in the US because you know it's not just Americans. We have a huge uh, international community on campus and they also want to learn and they don't know much. So I will tell you when they come to class, possibly they don't know much about what is contemporary um, art of Portugal. Um, they don't have a well-defined uh, vision. What is exactly the country? They know they want to learn the language because they listen to some music or they read an article like Sandra was saying, oh, it's a great country to visit and go, uh, you know, as a tourist or others said, oh, I did a study abroad. I don't know where and I stayed in Portugal and I loved it and I was able to. So it's bringing all of those pieces together and expand through literature, through um, music, through architecture, art in general, plus the boring grammar that sometimes they don't like, but if they learn in easy ways or fun ways, normally they don't even realize they're learning the, the grammar, right? Um, so it's a little bit of a, a dance um, and I like to do different things with them. I don't, I'm not a person to stay still. Um, so they also have to move in class and explore and go and, and bring that. Um, I think the classes, you know, it's just just by traveling to Portugal or living in a place where you have the, the Portuguese community around you, the classes bring it all together a little bit and give the foundation that sometimes you feel a little bit at lost and you don't know where to go. Uh, it kind of combines, it's like a network. That's how I see it. Thank you very much. I think in the Palkas virtual conference uh, this year, there are other panels that will be discussing uh, the expansion of Portuguese language programs in the United States and what resources and um, there are available. Right, Sandra? Yesterday. Yes. And also there is also going to be um, a program, um, an event um, dedicated to study abroad um, and study in Portugal uh, programs, which I, I think is, is very interesting. All right. And since we are talking, let's also do uh, do some shout out for our pan our panel that we are doing on the October the 20th. It's a, an art panel and we will have uh, Joana Vasconcelos, uh, Marina Carreira, Peter Pereira and Michael Dubrito and Magda and I we will be the moderators. So if you can join, it will be on October the 20th at 12. Uh, uh, Eastern time. Eastern time. Yes. 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 I think that will be an interesting um, panel where you know we'll be having uh, you know artists from across the pond. Uh, it's artists that have uh, been raised and brought up in the U.S. and others that have come later. Um, 
and uh, and this photography, uh, you know, painting, and then uh, Joana Vasconcelos is um, also a visual artist, but um, with a lot of work in installations and um, textile art as well. Um, she had a, an exhibit at, in Boston. I, I think it's still, Two years it's still ago. available. Yeah, it's just because it opened again, just before, like before the, the pandemic. Exactly. I, do, I would like to add something. Please. Because, uh, uh, there was some, we were talking about how to bridge uh, the, the previous generations with the young generations. And when we started 10 years ago, I remember when we did the, the first short film festival, uh, there were everybody, even the people that were coming uh, from Portugal uh, recently, they were surprised because they couldn't believe that these were Portuguese, these were Portuguese shorts because they thought they had high quality, meaning not even the Portuguese sometimes here know all the fields of arts and are aware of the quality of our artists and of our product, artistic products. And uh, so for us, it was always this, this question, more than just present shows and try to get audience from one side and the other. We did, we actually look at it and studied for many years how to make this bridge. And this, there's not a formula also because the immigration in New Bedford, it's not the same that the immigration in New York, it's not the same that the one in California. So you cannot just apply one formula to all of these. So you have to go project by project. And one of the projects that I think we, we were able to, to be extremely successful on this was one project called A, Li A Little Country Across uh, the, the Atlantic. Um, because we started the project from scratch. So we created a book where, uh, where we had 14 questions and we print out that book with the uh, Regina chocolates, the, the, those little hats that all our parents uh, know. So we, we came up with a, with a bag where you had the 14 questions, the chocolate, which is of course not for the kids because they had no clue what kind of chocolate that was. That was for the parents and the grandparents. And then we had the support also of Yarku, uh, and there was a lot of activities involved. And uh, the most beautiful thing on this project was that they went home, and this was our goal since the beginning, and they would have to call the parents and the grandparents to tell the stories. How did they uh, arrive to the US? Why did they came? All these questions. So th this project involved the entire family. At the end, this became a book. And, uh, and for us, it was very interesting because uh, the Portugal in Soho movie, which this year will come out, the, the book will come out this year of the movie. Uh, it's um, many of the stories, they were, they were uh, together, meaning we were pulling the, the stories of the children and trying to engage them in the, the contemporary Portu Portugal. And then at the end, we were getting the stories of the Soho. Most of these people that were living in, uh, in New Jersey, that were living in Long Island, they all arrived to Soho. So there was this beauty of getting everybody around 
their own story at the end of the day this is the, the, this is the line of of uh, of disconnection is just that when you bridge the the older people and we are, we know this for sure because we're doing this for a long time when you bring them to see the movies they also like they will not come right away but if 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 you and and uh, uh, I'm, I'm I was thinking about this with Michael. The first time we talked about bringing Rita Red Shoes with Pedro Carneiro, the consul at the time at New Bedford, everybody was like, "No one's going to come to to come and watch Rita Red Shoes. They don't know who she is. They this is too modern." And Michael was uh, courageous enough to bet on this. And then we brought Noiser right after. Uh, and uh, with Pedro was Pedro uh, Carneiro was wonderful, and he, he took a chance, even for a consul to take a chance to to bring these more more modern things. It's not an easy decision, so they have to have be courageous and and have and and believe that there is a path to these people. And New Bedford is a wonderful uh, example of the things we did. Uh, with Pedro, then with Shelley Pirsch, the, the next consul, we kept bringing the contemporary and the people would come, the Azorian people would come, the Madeira people will come. And so it's really about the way you get the message through. And it's the way you cannot just bring something extremely contemporary that there's no way they will connect with that. You have to build the trust and then they will come. And they will be the ones that support the most. They buy all the CDs. Sometimes they make more money selling the CDs than with the tickets. And these are the old generations most of the time. And Michael knows this is true. They are buying the, the CDs. Of course, you then take a Marta Pereira da Costa with the Portuguese guitar. Yes, they, they love it. They go right away. They bring their friends. But the, we, we can never forget. This, this Portugal that they maintain in the clubs, in the, in the associations, in the groups, this is their Portugal. This is what's in, in their skin, in their hearts, and in their mind. And we cannot take this away from them. So what we have to do, it's really bridge them to the youth. So that when they get to Portugal and their cousins talk about the gift, they know who they are. Because they already heard them on, on Central Park or because they know Noiser, or they know that combo. And of course, our parents are not, well, my parents live in Portugal, but our parents will not hear these things. But the kids are the way to bridge this. And again, there's not a formula because all of them are different. And something that Sandra said, very important. And I think we have to recognize why this happened. That everybody knows Portugal right now? Yes, they do. Thanks to TAP and visit Portugal. They did an amazing job. And we have to recognize that the promotions they did on the cabs in New York, that most, they were so criticized in Portugal because the view here in Portugal, it's, it's, it's very different from the American way. And when they put these ads saying, oh, you go to Madrid, then stop at Portugal for two or three days, they were so criticized by that because people in Portugal thought they're promoting Spain in Paris. No, they were being smart and they were talking to the American audience that know where Madrid is, that know where Port where Paris is, but they didn't know where Lisbon were, was. So now that changed. And regarding the Portuguese, and I will finish with that, uh, I'm from Torres Vedras. 
uh, here uh, in, in Portugal. And I, I remember 10 years ago when we started Art Institute, I would say 15 years ago when I arrived to the US, and this is one of the main, the main things that, that make me uh, go for Art Institute and create a project like Art Institute. People would say, oh, you speak Portuguese. And I would say, yes. Oh, so, you're, so the carnival uh, in your country is wonderful. And it would blow my mind because I knew they were talking about Brazil and I would always make the joke. Yes, it is. I'm from Torres Vedras. It's the best carnival in Portugal. But I don't think that's the, the country you're talking about. So these things, this changed. And when I look at this 15 years ago and I look at it now, Portugal really has gone a long way. And this is incredible. And it's the effort of many people that didn't give up and still today they continue promoting and believing and have the passion for a brand called Portugal. Well, on that last note, I don't know what else we can add. <laughs> Thank you, Anna. It's very important and it's true. Portugal is now in the map. I also remember when I visited the U.S. Uh, years ago that, you know, it was uh, kind of hard to explain where I came from because nobody really knew. Uh, many times people ask me, you know, so you speak Spanish? And I'm like, no, I speak Portuguese. Oh, okay. Uh, or whether, you know, Portugal was in South America, Portugal was, you know, an island, you know, many different versions. But I think also one thing was touched upon is that, um, the quality of the work being done and that you all have been able to bring to the US and uh, you know our embassy and the consuls have done and TAP of course and different, um, different organizations have been able to bring quality shows, quality work. And, um, and that's been, I think also very important because one thing that in America, is surely recognized is quality and excellence. Um, so I think everybody is, is contributing, but the, the fact that there is quality in what Portugal can offer is very important. So Sandra has also called out that uh, the embassy in DC has uh, on the website has um, uh, upcoming events listed so please visit um the yes, embassy have, of portugal we have our website and we have the facebook page uh portugal in the us and we have our instagram page and twitter as well so you can you can follow us there and you can see the events that uh, that are going on i think uh, to finish i don't know if anyone has any more comments that they would like to add uh, otherwise, I invite you all to follow Palkush, um, to keep, uh, you know, sending Palkush and the embassy through Sandra or uh, the, through to the, I also invite you to visit the Portuguese uh, American Art Gallery and use that email to submit work, to ask questions. We are here all, I think, for you to continue to bridge this cultural um, across the pond, both ways. Um, so feel free to contact any of us directly. I think I will close now unless anyone has, would like to add anything else. Just thank you for 
your time. It was a pleasure meeting all of you. Um, hopefully we get to work or see each other in the near future. What's up? Just yeah. one thing, Scott, you are based in New York I'm at the based moment? Based in New York, yeah. Okay. Anna is at the moment, uh, she's either in Lisbon or in New York or somewhere in the world. <laughs> somewhere in between. Right? <laughs> Michael, you are in Massachusetts? Correct. Right? Derek? I live in Rhode Island, but work in Mass, yep. Okay. And uh, Derek, you are based? I am uh, Viva Forriva, born and raised. <laughs> okay. I'm here until they kick me out. <laughs> Takes a lot to get kicked out if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, uh, Teresa Valdez is in Rochester, upstate New York. Upstate New York, correct. I'm or in New York City over summer. Or, okay, <laughs> all right. I'm in New York City, and Sandra is in Washington D.C. So thank you all very much. Um, enjoy the rest of your evening and uh, hope to see you again on one of our future events. There's two next week, so keep thank us you. on your radar. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you much. very much and thank good night, you. everybody. Pleasure Bye. being with all of you. Bye.